0: It's the Perry and Shana Podcast on the real-life journey with you, reminding you that you are Abba's beloved child and that Jesus has called you into his massive mission to heal the world. Well, perhaps you've heard
1: about this TV series, The Chosen is taking the world by storm, and we're going to get some of the latest info here on The Chosen. Stan Jantz. Leads Come and See as Chief Executive Officer. And it's their mission at Come and See to share the authentic Jesus with 95% of the world's population through the Chosen. And Stan is with us today.
2: He's with us from Huntington Beach. So it's stinking early where you are. Thank you so much for joining
0: us this morning, Stan. Hey, it's my my pleasure. And, you know, here out here with the atmospheric river, you know, I have to have a diversion of some kind. So it's great being on your show.
2: Yeah, lots and lots of Southern California rain right there going on. So, yeah, tell us about Come and See. Now, obviously, when I hear Come and See, I think of The Chosen. What is the connection and, and what is Come and See? How did it come about?
0: Well, Come and See is a nonprofit, and our vision is to reach a billion people with the authentic Jesus. And to do that, we have uh, partnered with The Chosen. And so we have three objectives. And one is to make sure that all seven seasons are completed. Right now, Mm -hmm. in fact, starting yesterday, season four open in theaters. Very exciting, Uh, nationwide, in fact, around the world. And uh, so our job is make sure that the, the story completes. And then the second thing is, and to your point of 95% of the world, the way to reach them is going to be through language translation. So we're making it possible, and this has never been done for a TV series like this, to be translated into 600 languages. And with that, we'll reach 95%. 95% of the world will be able to understand that. Now, of those 600, 100 will be dubbed. And a 500 or, or all 600 will be subtitled. Mm. And so that's something that's going to be a long-term goal. It's it's uh, We can talk about that, but that's that's part of it. And then third is that we are reaching the world. We're making sure through distribution efforts with ministries, partnering with nonprofit ministries like Crew, like Bible Project, like YouVersion, that uh, the the, uh, the show can go out. And kind of as a little tag on, we want to make sure that it's always free so people can mm. access it. Uh, and you can go to the theater and pay for it, but also you'll be able to access it as it streams on your phone uh, here probably in March. And so so that's our objective. And so we are kind of going around the world. I, I just came back from a, a little tour uh, of uh, we did a premiere of season four in Los Angeles here a couple of weeks ago. And then we also did it in London and Warsaw. And let me tell you, uh, Perry and Shauna, this is a global phenomenon. People all over the world are watching. And it's exciting to see it because this is a message for the ages. This is the message of Jesus, the authentic Jesus as told in the Bible. And it's just, it couldn't be a better time. This this opportunity of technology, but also phenomenal storytelling of this wonderful, wonderful, ageless, the greatest story ever told in this way.
2: And I understand that this became a passion for you because of how it impacted you personally, that it was, it was through experiencing The Chosen That you experience the authentic Jesus. Tell me the difference between how you understood Jesus or, or what your understanding, yeah, what your relationship was with him and your understanding of him before and the impact that it's had and how it's different now.
0: That's a great question, Shauna. So I grew up in a Christian family. My family then owned a chain of Christian retail bookstores. I was immersed in Christian books and Bibles, and I went to Biola University, which is a Christian university out here in Southern California. So I, you know, now it, I knew a lot about the Bible. I, I Obviously, I have this relationship with Jesus that's real and personal and eternal. And uh, yet, when I saw The Chosen for the first time, and by the way, I was reluctant to watch it Initially, because, again, I grew up around Christian media and my experience um, was that, you know, it's not always the best. It's, you know, sometimes it's good enough and sometimes we kind of give it a pass because, well, it's about Jesus or it's about Christian values or whatever. And so I, I was kind of reluctant and it might be disappointed in when I saw it. But I was telling everybody about it because I had the app the chosen app and it showed how many views and it was like at the time this is a couple of years ago you know 350 million views and i thought wow somebody's watching it mm-hmm. and so i got invited to an event where it was actually shown live uh outdoors In fact the event was at Bio university and I got invited and i went and i experienced it with 2500 people and it was episode one season one and it's the episode that concludes with mary walking out of this little cantina bar, whatever they call them back in the Middle East, back in the first century. And Jesus comes behind her and he calls her by name, calls her Mary. And she's stunned because they've known her as Lilith, you know, and she'd been possessed by seven demons. And and he says, I have redeemed you. I have called you. I know you by name. And she drops whatever she's carrying and, and just, it starts her journey. And so that's the encounter she has. And that just, for me, Uh, it just became so real and to your question for people who've grown up in the church and so what's what is this you're just seeing it's his show it's about jesus these are actors but the way the scripts have been written and the faithfulness to scripture and then giving us this maybe the humanity of jesus in a way that we've never seen before and i think again to get back to your question i knew a lot about jesus And I you know, I I feel I loved him and I had this relationship, but now as I've experienced the chosen, I feel I can relate to him as a person, Mm -hmm. taking nothing away from his divinity. He is all God. 100%, 100%, but he's also 100% human. I think that shows has done such a wonderful way of showing us the human Jesus, but also his his followers. <laughs> you know, we could talk about this, but they're quite a bunch, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we know from scripture that, you know, their names, we know a little bit about them, but these are stories that tell us about these characters that, you know, as they encountered Jesus uh, for the first time and then uh, took up their cross to follow him. And so it's been, a, it's been a, and for me too, it has been a great illustration of what discipleship looks like, uh, and I think to follow Jesus, to to take you know take up our cross and follow Him, and to be His d- disciple, to learn from Him, and to follow Him, is something I think that all of us, no matter how long we have been m- have known the Lord, have been Christians, it's always something that we're on that road to do that. And for me, and for many, many others, for millions of others, it's kind of helping on that journey to know Jesus more intimately and to see Him for who He is.
1: Well, Stan, as you know, the person who plays Jesus is Jonathan Rumi, and I just saw him on The View, and, you know, people, let's just say Christians who go on The View sometimes get beat up, but Jonathan was just so welcome there, and he brought out the faith that some of the people on, you know, Whoopi Goldberg, you know, shared about how much he loves Jesus, and, you, you know, that's a different conversation, but... At any rate, he was just so welcomed, and God has given him so much wisdom. And this is just its something that in an age where there's so much division, it's bringing people together.
0: I could not agree more. I think this is unique to our time in a time of strife and conflict. This is a story of healing and of hope. And I would agree as well that Jonathan has— portrays obviously he is a gifted actor but there is more to it than acting he he's the real deal i we had a screening in new york just uh, a couple days ago and uh, so i was there and jonathan and liz tabish who plays mary were there and and just to hear him and hear his heart and for him to articulate um just the 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 privilege he has of of being in this role and he is—he's very thoughtful. And as you said, for the view, I thought that was ex- ex- exceptional. Mm-hmm. But that's just him. He just—in fact, we had a premiere in Poland um, uh, last week, and uh, they had a Q and A ahead of time. And of course, they're asking the questions in Polish, and then he would answer after hearing the translation. But one of the questions came to him. There were, you know, fifteen hundred people that were at this premiere, uh, and uh, for season four, and they asked him. What it was like you know to play the character something to that effect and he gave without question for for me as I'm watching this and I've heard a lot of kind of gospel appeals right come to Jesus moments that kind of thing and and totally an objective and he was you know Jesus is this this wonderful person and he invites you into this relationship with him hmm. and the best thing you can do in your life is to is to accept him into your heart and it was just like, wow. Hmm. You know, it wasn't like he was trying to be an evangelist, but I'll tell you what. it was really. So you just see his heart, but it's it's a true understanding and a true embrace of this person that he is, you know, this character if you will, from a dramatic point that he's been privileged to play, but it's much more than that. He, he has this wonderful relationship that comes across so well. So yeah, yeah I, I'm glad you saw that. And it's, it's, it's just exceptional. And, and, uh, but when you see him obviously on screen and, and in the, the stories that are from obviously from scripture and, and I can't wait for the, your viewers to go out and see the, uh, the theatrical release which actually includes the first three episodes of season four. Mm. So you know, don't drink a lot of water before before you go in, but it'll be about three hours. But there'll be a break, be an intermission. But it is it is absolutely uh, a stunning opening in this fourth season because we know it takes a turn. This this is this this is the season where you know things happen that are a little bit, if not a lot more. Uh, more pressure for jesus and his followers and his he's putting his eyes toward jerusalem as we know from scripture yep. and so mm-hmm. yep. it's uh, pretty remarkable during this season it's gonna it's an exciting touching moving uh, uh part of the story that we're getting into
2: With Jonathan Rumi playing Jesus, he's got, obviously, the role that he plays on screen, but so many more opportunities as well to represent Jesus and to speak of Jesus. And he himself is Catholic. I love that. Tell me how this is being responded to by the Catholic Church.
0: We're finding tremendous response. Uh, Brazil is, I think, 80% Catholic, a population of 220 million the chosen is viewed by more people in Brazil than it is in America. It's a, it's staggering, and uh, we find the same thing in Poland. We did a a, a a premiere in Poland here just a few days ago, and the 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 support and outpouring and the love they have for this show and what it's doing for them and what it's awakening. I think uh, in in the Catholic Church is this idea that Jesus is a person. He is human. He is divine, but he is human, and it gives people. Something to to grasp (laughs) that this is real. Jesus is real; it's not just a symbol. And so, what we're finding is that there's just an openness to it. And we're finding the same thing in the Arab world. It's starting; just Mm -hmm. it's much, much, much smaller. But what happens is in the Arab world, they appreciate quality in art. And I think you would agree that the thing that also sets the chosen apart is not just that it's an episode, you know, multi-season episodic television series it is so well done. The quality is at such a high level and it it brings people in because it's got this, this, this beautiful way that it's portrayed. But, but I think you're right in the Catholic market, you know, there are 2 billion Christians in the world and half are Catholic in Mm -hmm. the world, Mm a billion Catholics. So, we find that it's, it's has a, it has an appeal, and Jonathan certainly is a door opener. We had an event, uh, as I said, recently, and it happened to be the one in London, and there was a Catholic priest in the audience, you could tell, because they dress in a way that you could tell. Yeah. And <laughs> we showed a video, we have a little clip, and you can go to our website, come and just on the homepage, you scroll down, and it it's a little video called On the Road to 600 Languages, which has never been done with a, with a, a movie or a TV series and you'll see a clip and it's the clip of the paralytic being lowered through the roof and jesus then healing him and all the commotion that's going on and it goes through 14 different languages in a space mm-hmm. of about five minutes you know from russian to swedish to portuguese and spanish and mandarin and it's just extraordinary and we're showing this at this little event in london and this catholic priest walks up to me and he's from america uh, but he works in the vatican he's got his phd he teaches there And he whispers in my ear, says, this is like a second Pentecost. And it just kind of gave me a chill. And it just kind of struck me. And I I had him actually share that with the group afterwards. And later he came up and told me, he says, you know, the Vatican is watching the chosen. And it just did my heart good because, you know, we're seeing people are turning to the authentic Jesus, the, the Jesus portrayed in scripture. And so I, you know, we also had a, uh, a an event last summer in Madagascar where the president of Madagascar, who was a believer, he requested that the chosen be translated into Malagasy, which is the mm-hmm. language of the people there. Not what you call the top 100 language, but uh, we in a partnership with Jesus.net, we made that happen. It was shown mm-hmm. in public places. And of course, Madagascar is an extremely poor com- uh, country. But people were just so taken with that. And the president, uh, you know, had this made this happen. It's actually being shown in villages now on big LED screens as they take them into villages. And then we know we've got a partnership. We've got a partnership with Prison Fellowship. And Prison Fellowship is showing it in 300 prisons. So I like to say it's the chosen appeals, as does the gospel from the palace to the prison Mm -hmm. and from the the Vatican to the village. It has this, this broad appeal. And we're seeing, you know, people, kings responding, presidents, and we're seeing prisoners respond. Mm. And, uh, in fact, this priest that came up to me, his his cousin is incarcerated in a prison in Texas. Mm. He says, I grew up with this guy. And he sent me an email. He says, and I've often wondered why did our lives take these two different paths, you know, where he is, you know, working at his level and here's his cousin. But his cousin is watching the chosen. Mm in prison. And he says, and I've heard from him, and he cries every time he watches yeah. it. Wow. So that's the power of the story and the and what's going on, it's just, it's God, it's a special moment. God is using it in ways I think that we're just beginning to see, because it's the story of his son. It's the story of Jesus. And as we know, he is the, <laughs> the redeemer and gives us a future and a hope.
1: Dan, there are so many stories coming out of the chosen universe. And tell us one that it just really grabs.
0: Yeah. Well, we've we've been humbled, quite honestly, at the Come and See Foundation. We've had more than 80,000 people have, have given to Come and See which you can do through the app or through the website just and we, we can use an expression that the that chosen uses and has bring your loaves and fishes mm-hmm. right the five loaves and two fishes and let god will multiply so we get we get everything from you know a, a ten dollar donations up to you know much higher but one that stands out for me is uh we got a an, an envelope uh a handwritten note from a boy named diego and he's 10 years old and he sent He's uh, kind of a crumpled twenty dollar bill. So this is all I have, but he says I watch the chosen, and uh, I want you to translate it into Portuguese so that my father can understand it. Mm. And oh my goodness, it was his handwritten note, and just precious. And and he wanted to give his loaves and fishes, and just here's twenty dollars about so that it can be translated into Portuguese. And I just. It was, it was one of those moments you think, this is why we, we're we doing this, you know, for the Diego's of the world. Right. And uh, so we're, we're just, and these stories, you know, continue to come in. We have, have another a, a lady that I've actually, uh, she and her daughter uh, came to the premiere in Los Angeles. We invited them, but her husband was a huge, huge fan. And I had talked with him. He was a, a fairly prominent attorney here in Southern California. And what I didn't realize is that he, at the time he was sick, he had cancer. And he kind of told me kind of toward the end, And so I prayed for him and, and just, it was just a great, great guy. And so I heard just a few months later from his wife said that he had passed away. And, um, but she said the chosen gave him so much hope in his life. Mm -hmm. And and she said, just think of it. I'm going to (laughs) get choked up. I say this, the Jesus that he saw on screen he is now with in person mm-hmm. and just it just and so she's she's we've become a good friend she and her daughter have come and they're just lovely lovely people but it was one of those things that sustained him through his illness and through his his cancer journey that he mm-hmm. was on and uh she is just you know telling everybody uh and has become a faithful uh you know f- follower of come and see and so those kind of things are just important and also we invite people Uh, if you give or not give is to join us in prayer. We have a a feature on the website called the prayer crew and you can join that and just praying for the chosen. We put out these prayer points. We have a wonderful person who's leading that for us and uh, we have 47,000 people have signed up to, to say, yes, I'll pray for the chosen. I'll pray for the come and see as you make sure that the seasons are completed. Make sure it goes to 600 languages and it gets distributed throughout the world. And so we're we're excited. Just another quick story is that Crew, uh, which is a campus ministry, both here in the U.S. and abroad, they're showing it on campuses. They did a test of about 20 campuses here in the U.S. and these are not Christian colleges; these were like Columbia and NYU and others. And they what the, they they advertise on campus: "Hey, come for a pizza and a free movie," and uh, and then they'll show them. Uh, uh scenes or clips from or, or episodes from the chosen and they've had really exciting exceptional results and they're spreading this now and even going international with it wow. um there's a there's a great documentary that people can access on YouTube called unfiltered and it's a documentary about Jesus excuse me the, the chosen being shown to a group of nine uh gen Z adults oh, young yeah. adults yep and it's really something to see and this is what we're experiencing in real time now with crew and what they're doing with campuses.
1: maybe you can relate with this. I remember the first time I was hyper aware, like hyper aware of my spiritual ugliness. It was my senior year at Olivet College and I was feeling a depression that wouldn't go away. And it was because I was realizing just how sinful I had been during my teenage years. My conscience was coming fully awake to that. Mm. I wonder if you can identify with that, your conscience just coming fully awake to something you've done and you just realize, man, that was really, that was really bad. Can you relate with that?
2: Yeah, I can relate with that big time. Like I've even been plagued with memories of choices (laughs) that I made Mm. that don't reflect who I want to be in any way, shape or form.
1: Yeah. How could I ever have done that was the kind of thing that was first hitting me. And I had this picture on my desk in my dorm room of myself. I remember a white shirt with, it was a Sheboygan Chiefs, like football jersey kind of thing, white shirt with orange numbers. And the picture had developed this black stain in the middle of the white shirt I was wearing. And it just drove home how spiritually Mm. ugly I felt inside. And I thought, how am I going to fix myself? how am I going to fix myself? Cause I got to fix myself. Right. How am I going to clean up the mess I've made? Not just the mess of my life, but of the lives of those I sinned against. And so anyway, all that to say, here's my friend, Bible teacher, Rod Van Solkoma.
3: We think we can clean ourselves. We can remedy all of our ugly. This is why some of you are so driven to succeed. This is why some of you are such perfectionists and people pleasers. That's why some of you can never admit wrong. You can never admit sin. You can never say sorry to anyone. You can never repent of anything. That's why some of you need to be right about everything. That's why some of you feel this need to always cover up all of your faults, all of your mistakes. That's why some of you blame others for all your problems. That's why some of you feel like life is just such a performance. And you're not getting a good grade. See, this is all the ways in which we still wash. We're still trying to make ourselves clean. In fact, many of us just think that if I can just perform enough for God, then God will like me, then God will accept me. This is what religion is. This is the problem of religion, that I can just get God to like and accept me if I do enough for him. Some of us actually walk around thinking that we can fool God just like we can fool other people, that if I clean the outside of the cup, somehow the inside will get clean as well. We fake it till we make it. We can't hide from this God. We can't cover our stains. We can't cleanse ourselves. We need a priest, not just a king who's going to defeat evil. We need a priest who will make us clean, who will make us beautiful. And that's the whole message of the Bible.
1: And we have such a priest, Jesus, the Messiah. Hallelujah. I have spent a lot of my life trying to clean myself up through achievements, applause, awards, working out, winning the approval of teachers, coaches, bosses. It doesn't work. I can't clean the stain that's inside no matter what I do. Only Jesus, the Messiah has been able to do that.
2: Mm. And because he did that, our heavenly Father looks on us, the Lord looks on us,
1: mm-hmm.
2: clean. Yep. As clean as Jesus.
1: Yep. Not only are we forgiven, but when God the Father looks on us, we are hidden with Christ. We are hidden in Christ. Mm-hmm. So when the Father looks on us, he sees us through the beauty the the matchless beauty and perfection and flawlessness of Jesus. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. This is the gospel. It's good stuff. I'm pretty much done with all my cleaning myself up striving. I say pretty much done because I know I'm going to need to keep coming back to the gospel every day and say, Perry, you know what? You're trying to fix yourself right now. You're, You're just trying to clean yourself through what you're doing here. So I have I, I'm pretty much done.
2: <laughs> <laughs> We're on the journey. We're not there yet, yeah. but we are on the journey.
1: Yeah. This is so good because it's the gospel. <laughs> Hebrews 1 3. The Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the writer of Hebrews says, is the radiance of God's glory. Think about that. The radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things. By his powerful word. He holds your life together through his powerful word. And then this, after Jesus had provided purification for sins, he sat down mm-hmm. at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. In other words, all the other priests, they would offer their service to God and offer the sacrifices, but they never sit down. They just keep keep on offering sacrifices. They, they were always standing. Jesus offered his own blood and then he sat down.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Work finished. Work done. Forever.
2: Well, I, I have a confession to make this morning. I believe that following Jesus is a constant pursuit of dethroning myself and having God take his rightful place in my life as King and as Lord. Would you agree? Yes. Do you, do you wrestle with that at all? Yes. Oh, good. So i the only one. No,
1: I, I do. I mean, it's, it's an everyday reset.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think that if I'm not careful personally, I can easily just kind of slip into building my own empire in my life. You know what I mean? Just focusing on wanting things to be the way that I want them to be. I am (laughs) Shauna. I am queen. You will bow and be afraid. It's not pretty, but it (laughs) happens. And I don't like it. And here's what I mean. I I think that if we're not paying attention, it can very easily slip from harmless into pretty harmful. Sure. So, you know, here's an example. I buy the car that I want to drive and the house that I want to live in in the neighborhood where... I want to live and the clothes that I want to wear that make a statement about who I am so that others will see me in a certain way that they might think I'm, I don't know, fit, cool, fashionable, put together, smart, whatever it is I'm trying to pull off that day.
4: Sure. Yeah. <laughs> wow.
1: What I'm going to share later is very similar to this. Really? About myself. Yeah. But go ahead.
2: Your your desire to come off as fashionable?
1: Yeah, exactly that one, especially.
2: <laughs> figured. I figured we had that in common. <laughs> yep. But without intentionally pursuing it, it's, it is a building of our own empire. And very subtly, very subtly as we build our own empire, we're dethroning God in mm-hmm. our lives. I just finished reading Job. And if you're not familiar with the story of Job, he was a blameless, upright man who honors God. And God allows Satan to harm Job. He loses his family. He loses his wealth. He, he eventually ends up losing his health. And he's got some buddies, El, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. And they're trying to convince Job, like, dude, just say what you did wrong. Just, just say that you sinned against God and have it be over with, right? And then there's a fourth guy who enters the conversation, a younger fella. Comes on pretty strong as if you know, the Lord has spoken to me. Let me tell you what's going down. I know I'm young, but I'm also hearing from the Lord. So let me chime in on the conversation. And he tries to, he says that maybe, maybe God is trying to warn Job against future sin and that he should pay attention. But eventually Job gets so frustrated that he demands that God gives an answer to him as to why he's had to suffer so much. Mm -hmm. And then God speaks and it's kind of, There's a little bit of sarcasm in there. You know, were you there when I made the heavens and the earth? Yeah. He
1: he blows Job's hair back.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He just reminds Job that he's God and Job is not God. And then Job ends up really humbly apologizing and and acknowledging that he's overstepped his bounds. With the Lord. And so God restores everything in Job's life. And it's not a reward of Job doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. It's That's just our God. He's good. He's generous. And so he restores everything in Job's life. But only after Job realizes God is God and he is not, Job needed to dethrone himself mm-hmm. and allow God to take his rightful place just and like what, I do.
1: What I love about the story is that Job has all of these uh, accusations about God's justice because
4: mm-hmm.
1: he knows his life and he knows he's lived not a sinless life, but a but a blameless life in his generation, and he's just questioning God's justice. God doesn't give him any answers. Right. God doesn't tell him that. Well, this was this was actually produced in the mind of Satan, and he he didn't think you would serve me if you know, you had hard things come into your life. He doesn't tell him any of that. Mm -hmm. He just shows him who he is. And so Job doesn't get the answers to his questions, but he gets more of God.
2: Yes. And I feel like that's the answer for you and me. As we walk this out, I don't remember exactly the words you used to describe, but you you said it's a daily, right? Mm -hmm. Daily reset. It's a daily reset. And so I think that we can daily reset And part of it is looking at God and knowing who God is. So in the morning, remind yourself that he's God and you're not by surrendering your day to him and just saying, you know what, Lord, I'm so grateful to travel with you today. Whatever you have for me, I want to be about it.
1: Okay. Shauna, God is God and you're not.
2: Thank you. I needed to hear that. Yeah. And open up, open up the word, open up the Bible and read his words of love to you. And they'll tell you about his character and they'll remind you of who he is and who we're not, and even just provide instructions for how to live throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And then at some point in the day, spend time with God and let him speak to you. Let him speak to you through his word. And then at night, just reflect on the day that you just lived. Think about the times that God showed up in beautiful ways and you experienced his presence. Think about the times that you sinned and you hurt the heart of God and ask him to forgive you and then receive Mm-hmm. His generous and gracious and beautiful forgiveness and go to sleep knowing you're good with God. Mm-hmm. I mean, we need this reset. I need it. Not even just daily, but throughout the day. God is God and we aren't. <laughs> and I love you and that's why I'm telling you that. So let's let's dethrone ourselves and let's worship him.
1: It was one of the top dad moments of all time. Ooh. It was Super Bowl Sunday, maybe 2002, I'm going to say.
4: Okay.
1: It was halftime, so I said to Taylor, let's go to Overlook Park and we can sled for a bit. Then come back and watch the game some more. So we took the five-minute drive, got out of the minivan. Taylor got into the sled. I pushed it hard down the hill. He went careening toward a fence, put out his leg to stop himself, and broke his leg.
2: Oh, stink. Okay. How old was Taylor at this point in the game?
1: He was probably eight. Okay. Eight-ish. And he was in so much pain. Oh, He was just grimacing and kind of rolling in pain, trying to get rid of the pain. And it just went through my daddy heart. And I just drove him home. I didn't know what to do. I just drove him home and Teresa took him to emergency and they put a cast on him. Now, if I had told Taylor... God's going to protect you from all harm and danger in life. And then that had happened. Well, at the very least, his young faith would have been shaken. Yeah, And yet, that's what God seems to be saying in Psalm 91. I'm going to protect you. You're never going to get hurt. And maybe you're wondering in your own life, God, you said you'd protect me. So why am I being hurt so much? I'd like to hear from you about that. Eight hundred. 968-8930, 800-968-8930. But this Psalm 91 sounds like a promise of unconditional protection. Verses five through seven, you will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day or the pestilence that stalks in the darkness or the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Sounds to me like, An unconditional promise of protection.
2: A little health and wealth gospel there.
1: Yeah, 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 it does. Yeah, anyway, it it seems to be God is saying, you know, no worries. And for sure, God has protected me from danger and delivered me from harm many, many times in my journey. I probably don't know about most of the times he's protected me. So God is a protector, but not always. He's allowed me to get hurt and to get hurt really badly sometimes.
4: Mm -hmm.
1: So I need to take a closer look at these words. You know, you will not fear the terror of night or the arrow that flies by day or the pestilence that stalks in the darkness or the plague that destroys at midday. These are all images of God's judgment. So, God is saying he'll deliver us from his judgment. Mm -hmm. Not because we've earned it or because we deserve it or because we're entitled to it. No, he delivers us from the judgment we deserve because the judgment we deserve for our sins fell on the Lord Jesus Christ, never to fall again. Mm
2: -hmm. This is so good. This is so good. Okay, so when it comes to the protection part, I think we translate that to mean that God will always have things go the way that we want them to go, what looks right and good to us. And I'm thinking about just even as a parent, you know, you opened up the conversation with a parenting story, right? Mm -hmm. But as a parent, there were times that I made choices for my young children that felt so wrong to them. Mm -hmm. And what I was actually doing was protecting them from harm. I was making choices that were going to be What was best for them, you know, I mean, specific, very simple example of that would be like Drayson every morning of his life. He wanted popcorn. Wake up in the morning. What do you want? What do you want for breakfast? Popcorn, popcorn. I was like, okay, you can have popcorn but first we're going to have some eggs. First, we're going to have a piece of toast. You know what I mean? First, we're going to put something, <laughs> something healthy in your belly. Well, he just could not understand why I couldn't just let him start the day with popcorn. Sure. I'm thinking you're going to get a stomach ache. This is not, this is not going to sustain you. You're going to be good for 10 minutes on a, on popcorn. <laughs> and, right, right. And then you're going to tank and I'm going to have to deal with it. <laughs> so I'm thinking, no, 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 no. You need to have good, healthy food in you. And, and to him that felt so wrong. And, it was because I knew better than mm. what he knew, and I think when it comes to the big picture and the expecting God to protect me, there are things that He's allowed in my life that f- that have been so painful that it feels like, why would You not rescue me from that? Why would You allow me to feel that? Right. But I trust that what you're saying, what what He's providing for me in His protection is so much bigger.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I get that then i think you know there are things that happen that are just really ugly really really evil you know like i have a good friend bob blinko from frontiers his his uh, sister was murdered
4: mm-hmm.
1: you know so can you go god this was for my best you know i think god has god has given satan a, a leash you know and he he lets satan wreak a lot of havoc in this world that is not from god right and so i think that and god's going to make everything right i think it's that it's in that case it's the timing there's going to be a judgment there's going to be a reckoning it's going to be made right for sure but in cases like that not in this lifetime
2: My daughter sent me a song yesterday, and she did call me really quick and said, Hey, I just sent you a link to a song I want you to listen to. But I want to give you a heads up. Just make sure you get some time and space when you listen to it. So it's a friend of hers who lives in Australia who lost his mom to brain cancer. And he wrote this song about his journey of grief. And he starts off, the song's called Room 18 if you want to check it out, but he starts off by saying, I cried out for a miracle in room 18. I only needed one thing from you. I needed you to save my mom's life.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And then the second verse is, where were you? Yeah. In room 18.
1: Come on. That's like, it.
2: Where were you? Yep. I, I, I held my mom's hand as the life drained out of her. And I asked you for one thing. And, and you can do just that one thing. Like, mm-hmm. you're the God who can heal. You're the God who can do this. And you didn't. Mm-hmm. Basically, what the heck?
1: Right? The, the psalmists do that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, he, he, it's been years. And so he's walked this out. And the final verse of the song is You were with me in room 18.
1: Yeah. With me.
2: You were with me. You were standing beside me. You cried with me in room 18. Right. And just the... Yeah, the, the deep realization that that God is with us through the hardest times when we question, when we shake our fists, that he's there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so if you've gone through, uh, you know, if you've experienced a grave evil in your life, in your family, you know, God, God is with you. Mm. That's what his promise is. I'm going to be with you. And, and one day I'm going to set everything right. But with Psalm 91, it's a promise that the, the judgment has fallen on Christ and not on us if we trust in Jesus. So this, this actually is an unconditional promise of protection,
4: mm-hmm.
1: protection from God's just punishment because in his furious love, and God is a furious lover, my friend, because in his furious love... He sent Christ who willingly took the judgment that you and I deserve. And if you can think of anything better than that, mm-hmm. you're going to have to tell me because I can't.
2: It's good stuff. I feel like we could, I feel like we could talk about this for, <laughs> for a while. There's a lot of nuances and there's a lot of pieces to it. But it's he's God and his perspective is so ultimate and, and, and ours is so right now. Mm-hmm. you know so temporary but he he has a plan he is working his plan and ultimately regardless of what we experience in this lifetime ultimately his plan is for good
1: and there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus none your judgment day has already happened at the cross
2: You know, whatever your life was like when you were a kid, whatever was normal for you, you kind of assume that that's everybody's normal. It's so fun for me when you talk about growing up in Sheboygan, and it totally reminds me of the Wonder Years and Fred Savage and all the names and all the things. And I'm like, that's so interesting to me because it's so different Mm -hmm. from how I grew up and what my childhood was like in Southern California. My dad was in the entertainment industry. He was controller of advertising and publicity for Warner Brothers Studios for years and years and years and years, my whole childhood growing mm-hmm. up. In fact, when I was really little, you know, we you know when you watch movies and the big W B comes on that logo and it just yeah. says W B. Sure. I thought that stood for Walt Bauman. Didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't. It stands for Warner Brothers. But oh, I was like, that's does. my dad. Because every time a Warner Brothers film came on or we watched a Warner Brothers movie, it would have the big WB. And I was like, that's my dad. <laughs> you know, I thought my dad was that's awesome. all that in a bag of chips. And yeah, yeah it's pretty fun. From time to time as a kid, we would go to dad's work. And if you've not ever been to Southern California or to, to Warner Brothers Studios, there's the studios themselves that you see when you watch. It's kind of like in a in a sepia not quite black and white but like a sepia coloring they show they kind of fly yeah. over a drone over and show you the studios and what it looks like it's
1: kind of ripples type yeah, of a thing yeah yeah
2: well that's where my dad worked across the street there's a glass building where all the executives are across the street and then mm-hmm. there's the studios but we would go to dad's work and visit him and he would take us across the street to the studios and show us around and you know we'd have a little golf cart and we'd pop into the the sound studios and what's happening if there's you can kind of tell the studios that have got a lot of activity going on there's a lot of trailers parked around those studios you'll see the red light go on when they're recording and off outside of the door that sort of thing. Sure. So dad would take us and we'd tour around and it was fun. So when I was about 18 years old, I had an audition and it wasn't too far from my dad's work. And so I had made arrangements to meet up with dad and have lunch with him in the commissary at the studios across the street from the glass building where my dad worked. And I got there early, (laughs) which is just another way of saying I didn't do so well in the audition. They released me earlier than planned. Oh, yeah.
1: Shawny, you may leave.
2: Yeah, it was singing and dancing, and I I made it through the singing portion, and then like first cut on the dancing. <laughs> they were like, "Thank you, don't call us, we'll where, call you." <laughs> you're in Los
1: Angeles, where they have extremely high standards. So oh, you're, you're so kind. You were up against, you know, I mean, it's a, it's yeah, it's a, it's competitive. N- number one entertainment city of the world. Yep. So there you go.
2: So there you go. Thanks, Don't beat yourself thanks up. Thanks for making me feel better about that. But right. anyway, I get to the studios earlier than planned. I know my dad, I, re- I reached out to my dad, but he wasn't available. He was in a meeting. And so I just had some time to kill. So I go to the studios and I'm thinking, I'll do what I've always done at the studios. I'll just kind of wander around and see what's happening and where the activity is and, and watch for a while. Sure. So I just open up uh, the studio door, you know, a soundstage door And walk in. I'm immediately greeted by a security officer in uniform. And he's like, can I help you? And I was like, no, thank you. I'm good. I'm just going to watch him film for a little bit. And He's like, you can't come in here. I was like, oh, I'm I'm so sorry. I'm. And he's like, what are you what are you doing here? Like, what is your job? What is your role? Why are you here? And I said, I am just meeting my dad for lunch at the commissary. He works across the street. You know, he's like, who's your dad? And I said, Walt Bauman immediately his like whole demeanor changed. And he was like, oh, oh, come on in. Can I get you some coffee? Can I get you a donut? Like, wow. here's a chair. Here's a chair if you want to sit and you're welcome to stay as long as you want.
1: That is so cool. So was there live performances going on, like acting like? Take one.
2: Yeah, exactly. Cut. They're, they're filming, right? So wow. that's exactly what was happening.
1: Do you remember who it was or what they I were doing? I have no idea. Okay. I have no idea.
2: I mean, oftentimes, you got to go back in time a little bit, but a lot of times when we'd go with my dad, we would watch him film Dukes of Hazard or Fantasy Island or, you know, I mean. because I bet you it was Star Wars. Goonies at one point. We watched him mm-hmm. film Goonies oh, for a little a, bit. That was was all-time cool classic. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, the, the moral of the story here is... I did not know who my father was. I didn't I didn't know who he was to them. The street I didn't know cred. Right. I didn't know the authority that my dad had and what it would mean to drop his name and how it would change everything. And I think that oftentimes as we're walking through life, we don't realize who our heavenly father really really is. We have this love relationship with him. We're comfortable with him. He's familiar to us, but do we recognize that he is God. Do we forget who he really is? First Chronicles 29, 11 says, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. I think sometimes we forget who our dad is and we need to be reminded of who our heavenly father actually is
0: thanks for letting barry and shauna walk the real life journey with you the content from the barry and shauna podcast comes from their live show barry and shauna mornings on 89.3 moody radio grand rapids michigan reach out to us by texting 800-968-8930
2: and please subscribe